We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the uh, Inside the Huddle wrap-up show for Indiana and Iowa. Indiana fell on Saturday 35-27. They just did not do enough on offense and defense to get the job done. Uh, They were plagued by by drops and and, uh, some, uh, you know, one big play by Iowa, but it was more of a a death by a thousand cuts uh, type of way. We will be joined by our uh, co-host today, uh, Nick Holmes. He's filling in for TJ Inman, who is pulling daddy duty uh, this evening. So we wish him luck in getting his child to bed. Um, And uh, we'll get it kicked off there. Nick will join us here in a few minutes. Um, So initial thoughts from Iowa was, uh, you know, coming in, uh, you know, I I thought Iowa was a good team. I didn't really think they were a top 10 team, uh, but it was a winnable game for IU, I, be- I believe. But, uh, you know, Iowa showed why why they're deserving of that uh, number nine ranking, and uh, and we'll see. Uh, Nick, welcome to the show. First time, uh, you know, co-hosting. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Sammy? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, filling in uh, for TJ who's pulling uh, daddy duty, so so nothing nothing's wrong with that. I don't. I don't know if I'm going to be filling in. I, I don't feel quite adequate to to co-host, but I'll uh, do my best to substitute. Yeah. Uh, well, Nick, I, I started off talking uh, a little bit about the Iowa game. We talked about it on Periscope after the game. Uh, you know, today at the press conference, Wilson said it it, it was a pretty well played game. Um, I think it was evenly played if you go by the stats um really uh it, it was a bad day for Nate Sudfeld to have a bad day and it was a bad day for the receivers to drop balls um there were a lot of throws that were open um that either the throw was a little off or the receiver dropped the ball is that something you saw as well Nick yeah it, I mean you hit the nail on the head it, it was just a really unfortunate time for him not to play one of his, you know, even a moderately um, successful game. He was off on some throws. There was a one where um, one of our tight ends was running down the seam, and it looked catchable, but then if you watch the replay, and we mentioned it, uh, Corsaro, I mean, he would have gotten blasted. Um, almost like when Peyton Manning used to hang out to uh, drive Dallas Clark. So there's some similarities there, but you're, you're right. It was a little frustrating just to see that the running game was – was on uh, a level that it hadn't been since Howard was fully healthy four weeks ago. And then, uh, you know, the kicking game was strong. Coach Wilson mentioned it today. Toth had 
I don't know, you're more into the special teams than I am, but probably one of his better games as a Hoosier. And then, you know, uh, Oaks was two for two, had a few uh, touchbacks. So overall, I mean, that those areas of the game were fine. And once again, I, you know, the defense, we've kind of said this all year, just do enough to give your offense a chance to win. And they still gave up 35 points. Um, one was that early touchdown on the second play of the game, which, you know, they've been susceptible to that. We saw it against Ohio State, and we, we saw it on Saturday. And, and that's unfortunate to give up those plays, but then the very next series on defense, IU comes out and stops Iowa uh, three and out. So the defense looked better than it had definitely against Michigan State or Rutgers for that matter. And if they can replicate that over the next three weeks, the you know the season's not over. Six wins are still attainable. Michigan is beatable. I mean they've been beat twice uh, this year, so you can't count them out. If the defense can just give you that same level of intensity, um, it would be nice to see them start forcing some turnovers again. It's been a while since they've had multiple uh, turnover games, so yeah, that that was just kind of what I saw overall. Uh, yeah, you're right, and I, and I mentioned this to you after that. You know, first Toth punt was I thought they got a little conservative. It was a great punt by Toth that was fair caught at the five. I, I guess it's a trend now to fair catch punts inside your ten. Um, it used to be that you just let it bounce and see yeah. where where it lands. Um, but you know, Toth had a great day. Uh, he down two inside the twenty. There were no touchbacks, which has always been his bugaboo um, on those kind of coffin corner kicks is that you know he kind of puts too much leg into it and and kicks it in the end zone but on Saturday he he did a very very good job at doing that um and then Iowa went 95 yards down and scored a mm-hmm. touchdown so you know I I told you right then I wouldn't punt the rest of the day I would mm-hmm. just try and try and get first downs and get some points and and put it on your offense uh it was great to see the run game uh going well uh they got Jordan Howard going uh, he pulled himself out there, um, I think, on IU's last field goal uh, to make it 21-20 uh, in, in in the red zone there. Um, but I think he was he was a little banged up, and, and I know Iowa fans were questioning his toughness, but he ran for 174 yards on a defense that gave up less than 100 yards of rushing a game, and he scored two touchdowns on them. Um, and there's no reason. this Jordan Howard is a very tough football player. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he pulled himself out. He had run the ball a couple of times. And, and you know what? It's up to IU's backups to fill in that hole for, for a couple of plays. Um, but, you know, most concerning, I think, was the play of Sudfeld uh, going into Michigan. Um, it, he just did not look sharp against Iowa. You know, I asked him today, was it, you know, what happened? Uh, he said mm-hmm. there were cor- correctable issues. Um, and that seems to be good. I don't think he would tell me, you know, hey, you know, I stunk and it's not correctable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and if he did, you probably might not want to start him next week. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, his play, the team goes as Sudfeld goes. And if yep. he can't get the offense into a rhythm, then, you know, you're sliding back into last year's offense where you're, hoping you could break a few big runs, uh, but having Sudfeld uh, play on point and having Jordan Howard back 
to 100% or as close to 100% as you could get him, uh, it would do wonders. Now, Michigan coming up is a very tough team. Uh, the two losses, you said they lost twice. Like the two losses, one was uh, a road game against Utah, uh, and Rudock threw a couple picks and a pick six, and the other one was, man, they – they shouldn't. They had it in the bag. They punted, and, yep. and and you all know the play. Michigan State took it back. Mm-hmm. So those are about as close of two losses as you can get to an undefeated season as as probably there is. Uh, so they are a very good team. They are coached by a crazy man in uh, Jim Harbaugh. Um, <laughs> like he might be certifiably insane, uh, but they're I'm, very I'm, well I'm coached. <laughs> Uh, he's always been one of my favorites uh, in the college landscape. And, you know, I became kind of like a, a part-time 49er fan when he was out in San Francisco. And, yeah, I mean, he is crazy. He's intense. And he gets people to respond to that. I mean, obviously, Stanford was always successful. Uh, 49ers got within the brink of winning a Super Bowl one year. So, I mean, I'm surprised that Michigan has turned around this quickly. But maybe we sh- maybe we shouldn't be. Um, just based on his track record as a coach. And then his comment about, uh, I believe it was red meat or steak is a natural steroid. So, yeah, maybe maybe he's on to something up there. Maybe they eat steak for every yeah. meal. Yeah, well, he he says he has steak every day. Uh, but it's steak, whole milk, and, and sleep. There was something else in there as a fourth one uh, that were natural <laughs> steroids. Uh, he's also throwing the world's greatest coaching clinic with his brother, um, sometime in the off season, so it'll be interesting. Him coming in, he's an Indianapolis favorite. He played for the Colts. He was captain oh, yeah. comeback um, in 1995. He broke my heart as a Jets fan that year. Um, but you know, Indiana will have their their work cut out for them. Iowa is a similar type of defense, very physical, very aggressive, uh, and, and maybe this is the. I'm not calling a win here, but. You know, this is the end of a brutal stretch for IU uh, where, yep. you know, if they had won- beat Rutgers, you know, you could live with you could live with these three losses. But losing to Rutgers or facing a six-game losing streak going into those final two games, which are very winnable. But any time mm-hmm. you lose six games, it's got to be tough on you mentally and, and mentally draining. And, and even talking to Marcus Oliver today, uh, if you didn't see it on Periscope, you know, he's sick of losing and – you know, I think his key to turning it around was getting these younger guys to to get sick of losing as well and having, you know, an attitude change. And, you know, something that I, I pointed out to you in the game as well is, you know, these fans are sick of losing, but, you know, they just they just go. Um, and mm-hmm. you saw it, and, you know, I almost made uh, the, the announced attendance my number of the game for, for this. Uh, game. I think the announced attendance was forty four thousand seven hundred and something. Um, and yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. Um, <laughs> there must have been a lot of invisible people uh, who went to the game because uh, there might have been eighteen thousand people by the, by the start of the second half, and even less uh, at the start of the fourth quarter. Now, if you're an athletic director and you're sitting in your box. Um, I don't know how he gets the numbers, but you have to think that it's kind of embarrassing when your athletic department is announcing 44,000 for that, that kind of crowd. Um, so what, what now, are your thoughts on, on, on the crowd? You know, I, I can understand, um, you know, 
and I was speaking to an IU a fan today just about it's kind of like a rinse wash repeat sort of thing we've we've kind of seen this play out a few times and I think it's 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 hard to you know constantly build up your excitement and then you know kind of watch it fall apart in the fourth quarter but there were years where IU wasn't even in the game in the second half so there's really no excuse not to want to come back in the second half. You've got another top ten team on the ropes late in the third quarter. If that doesn't get you excited as a football fan, maybe you're not a football fan to begin with. But, yeah, it's it's frustrating to see from the box. You and I, we've uh, been to I don't know how many IU football games before we started covering um, IU football. And as a, as a I would imagine as a player looking up, seeing half your fans there come out after halftime, after after a first half that was, you know, you're only down four points to an undefeated, um, likely the Big Ten West champion team. You're only down four points, and you didn't – you had a bad call against you heading into halftime, so it's not like, you know, you were giving up too many points. I don't know. It, it It's definitely frustrating from probably a player's perspective for sure, and then from uh, – Fred Glass's perspective, I mean, what can you do to build up more excitement for your program? And the quick answer is, well, win games. But it's probably, I mean, I imagine it's pretty difficult to win games when the Iowa fans are considerably louder. And you could hear it up in the press box with me that they were considerably louder than the IU fans in attendance. And they probably were only half half the amount of people in attendance at that point. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's something that stuck out was, you know, IU went down eight, and on the kick, uh, there's a big let's go Hawks chant. And usually, you know, when that happens in the stadium, an opposing stadium, the home crowd starts chanting let's go home team or just boos and drowns out the away team, and that did not happen. And that's something that, you know, we'll talk more about in the off season. Uh, about the this, this state of the program, and it's too early to write this season off right now, um, you know, saying that, you know, three-quarters of the way through, uh, but there are two games at the end of the season that are winnable games. Now, if they go and, you know, they lose to Michigan and, and lose to Maryland, that ultimate goal of a bowl game is most likely over. Yeah, they can go to a bowl game at five wins, uh, but you're looking at a seven-game losing streak, uh, going four and seven, and heading up into West Lafayette, uh, where you know they'd love nothing more than to keep the Hoosiers from a fifth win at a potential bowl berth and and get that bucket back for for the first time since 2012. So you know we'll we'll go into matter. yeah, or even a sixth win. So you know it, it's it's getting to a critical point in time for Indiana football, but. Uh, and, and we'll touch on it later. Um, Nick, what are some of the positives that came out of the Iowa game? Uh, Wilson mentioned that, uh, you know, this is the first time probably all year that all three phases played decently at the same time. Um, now, you didn't have the passing game and, and the defense lit up 35 points, but they responded well. And, you know, when the defense got the ball back, you know, the offense made some plays. Uh, it wasn't the case the entire game, but, you know, was that something that you sense as well? Yeah, I mean, you know, like we said, Joe's had a great game. I really um, – tight ends were always an area that, you know, were somewhat 
underutilized the last few years, and, and Cooper made some nice plays. Um, you pointed that out to me up in the press box, just how great of a game that he was having, and then he had that late touchdown grab, which made things considerably more interesting. Um, and then, like we mentioned, Griffin Oaks had a great game, and then that onside kick was just inches away from Covington's mitts, where that could have been re- recovered, whether IU marches down the field and gets eight, you know, who, who's to say they do or they don't. But, yeah, I mean, overall, there was a lot of positive takeaways. I mean, it's it's been like this kind of every other week. You know, you you can pick out five to seven things that you say, yeah, this is really encouraging. But, uh, I mean, one area that I thought was really encouraging and we've talked about a lot this year is just penalties and, and inopportune times. And they only got hit with three penalties on Saturday night, which I thought was a lot better. And it's not that they weren't playing aggressive. They obviously were, you know, I remember Brown um, and Andre Brown and uh, Tatan Smith got in at one point, and they were, you know, a little chippy. Now, the questionable um, questionable call against T.J. Simmons, which Coach Wilson said that that was the right call. Um, that was that was one of the plays that um, stuck out for the day that obviously kept their drive going there in the second second quarter. It would have been a third and seven, and otherwise it became a first down. But, yeah, there was a lot of – a lot of great things that could be could be garnered from that uh, performance. I thought Divine Redding played well in uh, in moments. He was, I think, he had 45 yards on nine carries. So, you know, that's that's nothing to uh, take lightly. A five yard per per carry. Um, I don't know. What, I mean, what what was kind of some of the other the other big things that you kind of took away, and what are some of the areas that you really thought um, really need to be shored up for IU to have a chance against Michigan this week? Well, I, to me, the game totally changed on the T.J. Simmons ejection. Um, now, whether you think it's a, it was the right call, which, you know, Wilson said, but it's so he wouldn't get fined and suspended. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the game totally changed there. IU had gone up, I believe, 17-14. Uh, the place actually had some life in it. Uh, the defense, you know, at third and seven, yeah, they had given up some of their, their third down um, their third down conversions, but IU was on a 14-0 run, um, and who knows? If you get a stop there, you get the ball back, I think IU goes down and scores, and you go and take either a, a six- or ten-point lead into halftime, and it totally changes the tenure of the game. Plus, you have your most veteran linebacker out there. Uh, he's, I believe, second on the team in tackles, but he had a monster game at Michigan State, uh, and you just – you lost your leader, your vocal leader, and the guy who calls the defense for the linebackers out there. So that, to me, turned the entire game around. Um, I don't think it was a dirty hit. The guy, uh, it, it wasn't targeting. He did not launch into a defensive, defenseless player. The the receiver um, kind of dove into the tackle a little bit, uh, took the shot to the head. Uh, and, you know, he wobbled off, and I don't want to say he wasn't concussed. If he was concussed, mm-hmm. why is he back playing? But he was back yep. in the second half. He made some terrific plays there in the second half. So, you know, that's I, – I, I don't know what to make of that. That, uh, to me, was the, you know, turning point of the game. Uh, some things that IU does need to shore up, uh, you know, getting pressure on, on the quarterback, and, and that's going to be key for next week against Rudock. 
mm-hmm. they had no sacks. They forced zero turnovers. And I think the, they they did have five tackles for a loss, but they went yep. to seven yards. So yeah. that's you know that's not not a good average for yards per tackle for loss. Um, they they need to get to the quarterback like they were at the beginning of the season. Uh, you might not sack them, but you can force them into bad throws, uh, which helps your corners and, and your defensive backs. Um, and, and really, you know, when you have a guy in the backfield, take him down for a loss of four or five. Uh, don't let him escape a tackle and get back only for a loss of one because uh, we've seen how that has worked out uh, in your third down conversion. So, you know, get after the quarterback. Play aggressive. Uh, you pointed out, Nick, uh, we saw several blitzes where they came three or four or five seconds early. And, you know, when we're calling it up in the box, you know for sure that uh, C.J. Beathard and the offensive staff for Iowa uh, knows exactly what's coming as well. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a little frustrating to watch because you could almost see, you know, there was just no disguise at all, and you would say, oh, well, the nickel's coming or the corner's coming. or, And maybe it's just a timing issue, but I would almost prefer to be a little bit late as opposed to, you know, showing your hand because, I mean, that gives a quarterback plenty of opportunity to say, all right, well, we got, you know, field corner or boundary corner coming. And so that was a little frustrating to see. It was meant back on the uh, the T.J. Simmons uh, in the Smith injury. Um, I uh, Someone in the stands had reported to me that on Smith's way out of the game at that point one of one of the assistant coaches or one of his teammates I'm not sure just smacked him on the side of the helmet so if he was concussed I'm I'm not sure that that would probably be the best treatment another smack upside the helmet but you know I'm not I'm not a medical professional so I'm not entirely certain but yeah getting pressure on the quarterback like you said is and Wilson talked about it today in the press conference I heard I listened to the video he's you know it's it's at times it's been okay, like the Wake Forest game, it was great. You know, I thought, well, they finally got it figured out. Um, now, we knew going in that Wake Forest had a pretty weak offensive line, um, and so that wouldn't be your, your typical performance, but you would you would like to think you could at least get some adequate pressure. Bethard, was, Bethard looked really pretty, pretty decent. Um, I mean, he's been good all year, but he really was able to step up in the pocket and make plays that um, I really hadn't seen him make. And I haven't watched a ton of Iowa this year. One one play that we haven't talked about was where he dove into the end zone, and it looked like the ball got jarred loose prior to breaking the plane. What, what did you think about that? Um, well, you know, it's going to start a whole discussion on, on replay, um, which will mm-hmm. take more than the eight minutes we have left. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought the ball, the, the call in the field was a touchdown. Um, I thought the ball was jarred out before it crossed the line from one view. From the other views, you couldn't tell. But they had one definitive view uh, that showed that the ball was out. I believe it would have given IU the ball with the touchback. I think it went out of bounds of the end zone, and that's that rule. Uh, Otherwise, it just would have been down at the one uh, or the half-inch line. But uh, that, you know, if you're going to have replay, at least get the calls right. You know, and, and and have it definitive. If you have an angle that shows you that the ball's out, um, then then it's a fumble. And you know, Indiana has been on the wrong side of those calls all the time. Um, yeah. 
too many times to count. There there were times against Iowa. I think it was in the '09 season when IU had them on the road. Oh, yeah. Another undefeated Iowa team, uh, and the replay ref blew blew several calls in that game, and and Iowa ended up coming back and winning. Um, you know, it's yeah. You saw the the referees in the, the Duke Miami game couldn't get it right on the yeah. replay. So, you know. That play, again, changed the game. But, look, IU's not getting the breaks. They didn't get the break with T.J. Simmons. They didn't get the break with the fumble, and it was still a one-score game. So, even yeah. with almost everything going against them, and that's not the reason they lost with those two plays, but IU's right there. And yeah. it, it is so frustrating as a fan, and I get it because I'm a fan as well. It's, you know, everybody wants to win, and it's so frustrating. And, and maybe the process is going to take longer than – in five years, and, and everybody's opinions on, on it will change. And I, I know I've flip-flopped back and forth on it, uh, even still to like 10 minutes ago. But, you know, it's it's something that's – something's got to give uh, at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, you take the number one team to the brink, you take Michigan State to about the 53rd minute in the game on the road – where you're not totally healthy, and then you take, you know, number nine Iowa all the way to the end, too. So, like we like we both said, would IU in past years be in this position? I can definitively say no, they would not be in. Based on, you know, historical performance against top-tier teams, we don't need to think too far back to think of the 83-20 shellacking we got at the hands of Wisconsin. Um to recall that there were a lot of times IU was not in games where they were playing against the Blue Bloods, so you have it in the in the Big Ten. So in, they're encouraging signs that you're you're playing to this level. Is it a depth issue? And Coach Wilson mentioned, is it physically? Is it uh, mentally? What, what's what's holding this team back? And I think you know part of from my perspective is. And, and you're a baseball guy. You need a closer. You need a closer in in all sports. You need somebody you can turn to and say, "I need a first down. I need uh, I need a forced turnover. I need something to ignite a spark." And that seems to be lacking at times with this team. Uh, I thought we might have had it in, with Jordan Howard early in the season when they were, you know, running some time off the clock. I think it was against uh, Western Kentucky when they had that long drive to end the game. And yep. I think I think that's what they need. They need someone to step up in those critical moments. It doesn't matter if they're on offense or defense. Just someone needs to step up and make some plays in the most critical last ten minutes of the game. Because we see it all the all the time uh, with other schools. So I don't know who it is, but if if you get two or three guys and say, "All right, this is this is when the lights are shining the brightest. It's time for me to make a play. It's time for me to get a sack. It's time for me to." force a fumble, and, and Marcus Oliver, you know, I mean, he's forced quite a few fumbles. Maybe get one of those in the fourth quarter. I know that fumbles aren't the easiest things to generate, but you know what I'm saying. You just need somebody to step up in those those final moments of the game and say, all right, I'm going to make my team win. Yeah, and and you're exactly right. And, um, you know, you, you even see it in the NFL. How many times have we watched Patriots games where it's, you know, the, the third and seven, uh, and the Patriots are up by four points, and they need a first down to ice the game, and, and Brady hits Edelman. 
just out of nowhere for seven yards, and it's the first down, the game's over. And, you know, that didn't happen for IU. They they dropped the ball on on mm-hmm. on Saturday in those situations. And somebody on the defense, and, and, and Marcus Oliver's a terrific leader, and you can tell that he cares, and it's not an effort thing. It's a, mm-hmm. somebody needs to step up. It's a confidence thing. Somebody needs to step up says, you know what, you're not getting a first down, and I'm going to mm-hmm. do my darndest. Now, they can't go out of their minds and just try and do it on themselves. You have to do right. your job and do your job well. And that's something Wilson alluded to in his press conference as well, is stay in the confines. I think Norm yep. might have said it. Was stay in the confines of the defense. And don't try and make a huge play. Don't try and do somebody else's job. Just do your job and do it well, and we'll be okay. Trust your teammates. Trust the defensive right. system. And it's not the system. It's not the scheme. Because IU's been in the position to make plays. Now it's time, as you said, somebody needs to step up and make a play. Yep. No, I mean, it's they're, they're right there. Um, but, you know, they have another big opportunity this weekend, another 3.30 game. This is the first time in all the years that, I went to, that I've been an IU a fan watched IU football, and there's not a noon home game. And I think that's that's encouraging, too. You're getting more primetime exposure. Now you need to take advantage of it, win these games, and, you know, that's going to boost recruiting. Just a, just a small recruiting note, uh, Colin Miller, uh, outside linebacker out of uh, Fishers, he decommitted from Purdue this afternoon. He was always a pretty soft commit. Um, and it looks like IU, along with Syracuse and a couple other schools, will be in the mix. So, so keep an eye on that. Yeah, and then that was big news is uh, reported by uh, Pete DiPremio, um when I saw it on Twitter. And, and that's something, you know, I use, they got to win a game just to help out with recruiting. Now, you know, it, being on ESPN and ABC and ESPN2 and having these 330 games gives them a lot of pull in out-of-state um, recruits. Now, they're recruiting a lot of guys down south, and we both talked to them. And these are kids that might not get the Big Ten Network down there. But you know what? Mm-hmm. They get ESPN, ESPN2, and ABC, and that IU game is on. And you know what? It might not be the best game on TV, but it's in that block of channels to where you're sitting on your couch and you hit guide, and it's a commercial in Florida State, Clemson, Oh hey, Indiana and Iowa's playing. Let's see if they're they're playing in, in commercial. And you see the score on the bottom line, and it says oh it, it, you know upset alert and whatever. So people flip to that. Whereas you know people outside of Big Ten country cannot find the Big Ten Network, and it's not in the same grouping as those channels. And I think that does make a big difference. If hey, if anything, IU football games have certainly been entertaining this year. Yes, that that is that is true. They've been in in every game, um, for the most part. Uh, Penn State they got a little uh, out of it there in the second half, but you know they're in games and they're losing close, and that's part of the progression to becoming a good program. Um, anyway, Nick, uh, we're out of time. Hopefully, you can join us on Wednesday uh, for our pregame show for for Michigan. Um, thanks for joining us today and filling in for TJ. You did awesome. Hey, thanks, man. I uh, definitely appreciate you having me on. Anytime. Um, that's Nick Holmes, uh, writer for Hoosier Huddle. Uh, he does a lot of great stuff uh, with recruiting, with numbers, covering games, uh, keeping me entertained in the press box so I don't uh, annoy other people. 
Um, but uh, anyway, we'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, time is to be determined. Uh, it might be in the morning. It might be in the evening. But uh, tune in. We'll break down Indiana-Michigan. It's senior day. Uh, we will be talking to some seniors on the team tomorrow. So, you know, download us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. It's at uh, Hoosier underscore huddle. Follow us on Facebook. And, uh, you know, it's HoosierHuddle.com. Anyway, have a pleasant Monday night. Stay dry if you're in Indiana and it's raining. Um, other than that, uh, we'll see you on Wednesday. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 